You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to another edition. I don't know which edition it is of Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress. Hey, Tom. Hi, Susan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. Cancer hadn't killed me yet. That's a good thing. Hey, I'm still here. <laughs> still kicking. Kicking ass here, boys and girls. Yeah, cancer's uh, having to take a little bit of a back seat right now because I've just got other things i got to do. I don't have time for all that mess. Stupid, <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. Stupid doctors. They just need to stay out of my way because they're interfering with my damn life here. Uh, yeah, what's new around here? Anything new at Under the Shield um, that I don't know about? I think you know about everything. Well, I create most of yeah. it is the problem, especially the issues for poor Joel to have to undo and deal with. He got me on Twitter yesterday. Did I, you see that? I saw that. <laughs> and I actually went on and hit follow. So Still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> have not a clue. But I figure maybe if I can reach Trump, I can get him to teach me how to do it because I kind of liked his philosophy on how he did things. <laughs> Joel, uh, you got any news for us? Uh, Susan's on Twitter now. <laughs> sort of. That's basically the biggest thing in my life. <laughs> she could at least go there and read things now, right? I can look at pictures. Well, that's true. See, yeah. that, that's probably <laughs> about all I can do right the now. The app is downloaded, Tom. <laughs> if it magically asks her to sign in, that's a whole different story. <laughs> but she has it. <laughs> well, we have a very interesting guest with us today that I'm excited to say finally meeting uh, know a lot of the same people that he knows, and yeah. I don't know why our paths haven't crossed somewhere along the way, but uh, we have the National FOP Vice President, Joe Grimaldi, a, a Southerner. Hey, boys, y'all, you, you two are in trouble because <laughs> we're going to teach them all kind of uh, Southern phrases we were talking about earlier. That's what I'm wondering if Joe has uh, some Southern phrases. Yeah, when I say things like crazy as a runover dog out here, Joe, they go, huh? <laughs> Well, you know, thank you so much for having having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, I've been looking forward to this since y'all emailed me a couple weeks back. Uh, but I'm actually a transplanted Texan. Oh. I grew up in New York, but now I've been in Texas for about 16 years. But I will say I have picked up several phrases. You know, when you're going to do something, you're fixing, fixing. to do something. And we don't say you guys, we say y'all. Yes. It's just... We're just much more friendly. That's what it is. That's what it really boils down to. Well, we also have a lot to say, so we have to condense our words. Why say you all when you can go y'all? <laughs> Absolutely. Because it takes so much more time. It right, does. Joe? Absolutely. Golly. Yeah, these two will be saying y'all and all these things before I finish with them. Just give them some time. They'll, they'll slide right into it. You know, it's like a warm warm bath. You know what I mean? Just Once you put a little foot in and then before you know it, you're fully in there and you're saying fix it and then you, you got a little twang to you. you you'll get there. That's exactly right. <laughs> So, Joe, tell us what's happening on the national level with the FOP, because I tell you, some of the news out there is pretty disturbing. You know, again, we just heard this. I just heard this morning about the chief of Miami-Dade, one of the largest departments in this country, suicide attempt yesterday after a domestic with his wife. It's just and fortunately we're hearing at least he's in stable condition. I don't know what that necessarily means for a head injury like that or um, shot to the head, but. 
you know, it just really goes to show it, it can happen to any of us. This is not something that's just unique to certain people. It's right. part of this industry, sadly. Yeah, well, you know, like, let's just be real about where we are as a profession in law enforcement. Police officers in this country have been treated like crap for the better part of a decade. Yep. Okay, they've been demonized. Uh, there's been inflammatory rhetoric thrown our way for this entire period of time. Lies. And, and a lot of it's lies. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, we, we all know it's BS. And it, it, you have groups like Black Lives Matter, who, by the way, their donations are down by 88% this past year. I can't imagine why, because they were too busy building real estate empires mm -hmm. and paying their family members and friends six-figure salaries. Yep. But we had people like Black Lives Matter, grifters, charlatans. We had politicians who were trying to make a name for themselves and make money off the fact that you were bashing the hardworking men and women of law enforcement. And for several years it worked. Yes. Um, that's not that's not really working as much anymore. And I and I, you know, I credit ourselves at the FOP for fighting so hard in the public eye over the last few years to basically hammer anyone that mm -hmm. is gonna bash law enforcement and not use factual arguments. Yes. Because what they like to do is just make these passionate arguments with no facts to back it up. And the American <laughs> people are tired of it. They want facts. They, they want to know what the truth is. They want to hear the bullshit coming out of people's mouths anymore. They want the honest truth. Yes. So we've kind of exposed what has gone on there. And, and as you can see, as I said, their donations are down 88%. And what exactly have they done to help <laughs> black communities in America? Because Nothing. while they've right. been raising money, while they've been fooling people into this, the homicide rate for black men in this country is up 12 times the rate of anyone else. Sure. So what have they done? What statistical data can they provide that they've actually made our communities better? They can't. Right. So you've had these groups and politicians who've been bashing law enforcement. Sure. You take on, in addition to that, the massive unprecedented crime wave that we have seen over the last two years, uh, last three years. In 2021 and 2022, we had over 20,000 homicides in this country. We haven't seen those numbers <laughs> since the mid 90s. Wow. It's 30 years, folks, that we've had that many people murdered. And oh, by the way, those numbers are actually lower than what they really are because a lot of the big cities haven't reported their numbers to the FBI yet. So those numbers are actually even worse <laughs> Go than figure. what I just quoted. Yeah. Go okay? figure. So we have the anti-police rhetoric. We have crime through the roof. And guess who's one of the biggest victims of those crimes? Police officers. Yes. We have had over 200 police officers shot this year. Mm -hmm. That is coming off 330 police officers shot in 2022, 340 police officers shot in 2021. And just so you know, the, the track that we're on right now is 30% higher than 2021. Man. Since we started track, tracking the data at the FOP, this is the highest number we have ever seen of officers shot in this country. We started tracking this data about eight, nine years ago. Wow. It's so crazy. crime is through the roof and crime against law enforcement is through the roof. And, and I'm sure that some of your listeners are saying, well, Joe, there hasn't been a, a massive increase in officer deaths as a result of all these shootings. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. And that's because we've gotten better at saving our own lives. That's it. We're right. all carrying tourniquets now, mm -hmm. chest packing uh, um, seals, chest seals. We get people to the hospital quicker. Our technology is better. Our vests are better. The, the medical profession is better at saving us. Absolutely. That's the only reason we haven't seen a huge spike in deaths. Sure. But violence against us and through the roof. So basically what you've done is you've created this toxic cocktail for law enforcement mm -hmm. and you've thrown it all in a pressure cooker and the toll that it is taking on us mentally 
Yes. Is unlike anything I've ever seen. I've been a police officer for over 18 years and morale has never been as bad as it is right now. You're right. Absolutely. Uh, in one of our classes, I talk about there was a book I found when I was in graduate school uh, that I'd love to get the rights to to republish, but it's called Society's Victims, the Police. <laughs> and I said, yeah. there's never been a time truer <laughs> That's right. than that. I don't know why they wrote it in the 70s, because at least in comparison, that was it was nothing. But um, and you're right in the mental impact that this is having on officers and their families and all of this, because it's a lifestyle, comes into play. And, you know, defunding police, that's worked out really well for places like New sure. York and Chicago and San Francisco and Portland and Seattle and places nobody wants to go to anymore. Yeah, they become shitholes. Yes. I mean, I part my language. No, you're I don't right. Know, I'm allowed to curse on your podcast. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I'm just very straightforward about it. I mean, if you look at San Francisco right now, you're seeing businesses close left and right. Yeah. It has destroyed their tax bases. Their stores look like military installations. Yep. Uh, if, if you're looking, you know, they're locking up the $2 cans of bumblebee tuna <laughs> instead of locking up the criminals who are filling up trash bags full of crap and just walking out the door. Sure. And think about what it's like to live in a community like that. Mm -hmm. You know, those folks that live there, they deserve to have safe streets. They right. deserve to shop in stores where everything isn't locked up. They deserve to take their kids to school and not have to worry about being mugged or robbed or raped. But the stress of all of this mm -hmm. is falling on individual law enforcement officers. Sure. And we're seeing that play out in a number of different areas. It's not just, you know, obviously, like, there's a mental health side of it, and people talk about suicide and the mental, whole mental toll it takes, but it's also in their everyday behaviors of, I don't want to come to work. Yep. Yes. I'm taking more time off than I normally would. Sure. I'm not in the best mood to be around my family. I'm not being the emotional provider that I need to be within my own family. Yes, I'm providing financially because I'm going to work every day. But, you know, that's the toll it's taking. And another thing, too, is it's hitting supervisors as well very hard. Mm -hmm. Because as they desperately try to supervise and manage their police officers who are going through a rough time on the front lines, these supervisors are experiencing the same thing. So, you know, I, I caution supervisors or people that are interested in getting this make sure this is really what you want yes because it is your responsibility to work with your officers and keep their morale up and check up on them and make sure they're okay and heavy is the mantle of leadership yes so yeah. if you're only climbing the ranks for your own benefit for your own paycheck for your own ego don't do it the hell out of the way absolutely exactly right now. yeah we what got we enough need of that is you know servant leaders yes tom and i teach a supervisor class called why good cops make quote bad close quote decisions and you know we tell them it's you know are you hiring bad people are you hiring people more prone to do these things because if that's the case you're recruiting and hiring sucks <laughs> yeah. Or are you teaching them this in the academy? They don't usually like it when I point this kind of stuff out to them. And I'm going, so if you're not hiring people prone to it and you're not teaching them in the academy, there's something we're not providing that they need that is changing them into this. And this is the things that we teach that teach supervisors what to look for. Because we think they're the second line of defense. Family's the first line of defense. See the early warning signs. Supervisors are the second, and you need to hit it while it's episodic stress before it hits chronic, where you have to discipline or terminate. Nobody can afford to do that. Sure. And I think, uh, you know, the problem with departments is that, you know, you like to think that they'll make dynamic changes to make their agency better <laughs> and to help their officers. 
Let me just like explain to people who may not be police officers how the bureaucracy of a large department works. Please. Imagine an ocean liner, right? And imagine this ocean liner needs to turn, but like the engine is only at like 5%. And now you've just got like a vague picture of how long it's gonna take to turn that ship. Yep. Whereas we in the in the you know law enforcement labor world, we're much more dynamic. We are much more speedboat oriented. You know, we see something going on. We got to change direction. Let's go ahead and change things. I mean, look at it this way. Most departments are still doing discipline the same way they did 80 years ago. <laughs> 80 years ago. Someone does something wrong. Let's suspend them and take money out of their pocket. What the hell are we accomplishing <laughs> when we do that? All we've done is basically Make it punish that officer's family because yeah. they got less money in their account. Instead of, here's a thought, let's go ahead and educate this officer on what they did wrong, train them what to do differently in the future, send them to classes, have them ride with a field training officer, a supervisor. There are a myriad of options of education-based discipline that they could go so that you're not ruining this officer and you're mm -hmm. not taking money out of their price. Now, I'm not saying because somebody will listen to this and say, oh, what, Joe, an officer never makes a mistake. That's not what I'm saying. Right. If they do make some big error off duty or something like that, and you still need to suspend them, okay, we get that. But I'm talking about the everyday things that officers make mistakes because, you know, if, you don't, if you're not aware, folks, when you work for the department, they expect you to be an automaton robot, yes. memorize a 500-page, you know, general orders or patrol guide or whatever you want to call it. And never make a mistake. Sure. And that's not reality. Sure. We're human beings. We make mistakes. Absolutely. And a step that departments could take to alleviate a lot of the stress on officers is finding a new way to deal with discipline and things like that. And another thing that departments could be doing better is how they recruit and retain people. Because <laughs> we did a survey of over 4,000 police officers in this country, and one of the number one stressors for officers was staffing. Yes. And mm -hmm. when you think about it, it makes sense. Staffing impacts everything. It impacts, can I take a vacation? Can I take a day off to go to my kid's soccer game? Do I have backup, adequate backup on a call? How many calls am I gonna run that night because there's nobody at work? <laughs> All sure. of these things play into the staffing model. And I, and I think departments need to do a much better job of how they advertise to individuals. And it's not just about money. Yes, of course, money is important. Right. And, and and a lot of people will make an employment choice based on that. But they're also important to how much time do I get off? Mm -hmm. Do I work four days a week instead of five? Mm -hmm. These are all things that an apartment could be looking at or, you know, whatever, three twelves, whatever the schedule may be. You should be pushing that to this younger generation because the younger generation cares about how much personal time off they get, how many vacations they get. And let's recruit these people into our agency so that we don't have the staffing issues. Sure. I'm sorry, I went on a long diet. No, no <laughs> but you're, I, I mean, you're spot on. And the thing about like out here, I, I laughed. How long ago was it that they went to 25 minimum? Yeah, uh, that was a few years ago, quite yeah. a few years ago. But it took away basically retirement. Right. And did their 401, whatever. And for whatever reason, they thought that was going to motivate people to want to be a cop. Are you kidding me? Yeah. There's no point of being vested in an agency. So you might as well chase all the recruiting exactly. money around the valley out here. Yeah. And, and it's just it's too long. But it goes back to, again, our philosophy at Under the Shield is mental wellness is impacted by all of that. When you can't have a day off, 
because they're canceling all of it. We can't do that to airline pilots and truck drivers, but we can do it to cops. And then they're sleep deprived and vitamin depleted and mineral depleted. And all of these things impact how they think and feel and act. And Chicago was the prime example that we were hearing about where uh, Patsy, uh, whose brother is on our board, she worked 22 days straight, 12 hour shifts and was a single mom of a five year old. Yep. And, and <laughs> let me let me ask anybody that's listening right now, even if you're not a police officer, mm -hmm. if you work 22 days straight, 12 hours a day, how sharp are you? Exactly. Like, uh, I mean, I do an honest assessment. Right. How sharp are you in making decisions? How how do you feel physically? Right. And now you're expecting a police officer to make life mm -hmm. and death decisions, split second, yep. just like that, without without adequate sleep, yep. without adequate rest, probably out of their normal workout routine, probably out of their Everything. normal diet routine, all of these things going on. And here's the best part. If they make a mistake, they'll hammer you. Yes. yes. They'll, they'll discipline you. They'll fire you. Yep. Or if it's a, you know, a critical incident, they're going to look to indict you. They're going to ruin your life. They yep. will tear you apart. Yep. But what they won't admit was that they completely set you up for failure. They're yep. complicit that in agency, it. agency, yes. that government, they did it to you. They set you up for failure, mm -hmm. and then they'll hold you accountable when you do fail. Yeah, you can have 18 years perfect service. And one mistake, yep. and you are toast. And, and the thing about a 12-hour shift, especially with those that are listening that are not law enforcement, it isn't like a whistle blows and you clock out at yeah. 12 hours. No. That 12 hours is probably going to be more like 13 or even possibly 14 late calls at the end of your shift, whatever. And then in some of these cities, commuting time to go home. And then if you work graves, when exactly are you supposed to see the doctor, see a counselor, see the dentist, take your kids <laughs> to school? What the hell? When are you supposed to do this stuff? Yeah. And, you know, just on a, on a, on a personal note, I, you know, I recently promoted to Lieutenant, but before I was, and I work night shift, but I was a Sergeant and my hours before this was 11 PM to 7 AM. Mm-hmm. I get home right after, you know, 7.30. I'd take my kids to school. I wouldn't get to bed till 8 o'clock. I could not sleep longer than four hours. Yep. I could not. My body just could not sleep for longer than that. And when I tell you the toll that takes on you mm -hmm. as far as how sharp you are, mm -hmm. uh, how it affects your mood in general because you're not sleeping enough, Yep. Um, it is a massive impact. And since I promoted, my hours have changed and moved up a little bit so that I can get home when it's still uh, dark out. Yep. And now I sleep, you know, just over six hours. And I'm telling you, the massive difference in just a few extra hours mm -hmm. of sleep in my mood, how I feel, sure. my energy level, everything. Sure. Um, so if, if someone's listening is like, oh, it doesn't sound that bad or, you know, work at night, it's horrible on folks. Yes. And, uh, and and I don't think people understand just how much of an impact it can have on you. And and I, the only reason I'm so cognizant of it is because I just made this switch a couple months ago, and the difference is just massive in sure. how I feel. Well, and, you know, and again, this is the area that we teach on because you can have 12 hours to sleep and still not get restorative sleep if adrenaline's sure. in your system, those kinds of things. And that's the kind of stuff that we teach them about because – People just assume you had 10 hours to sleep, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh, you don't necessarily hit the bed and you're, you know, some yeah. of us are asleep right. when our head hits the pillow, but not most. 
Yeah, you think, wow, I laid in bed for nine or ten hours and I feel like crap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like I haven't slept. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, I, and, you know, we're notorious for our caffeine intake. I mean, <laughs> you, you want to talk about somebody who's got, you know, resiliency to caffeine, so we just keep pounding it. <laughs> so we're pounding caffeine all day, whether it's coffee, energy drinks, a mix of both like me. Sure. And if you're not timing that right. Puts that it in by IV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just inject it straight into my bloodstream. That's how I make it through. Um, but that impacts your sleep. So then not only are you, you, you had too much caffeine, so you're having trouble going to sleep. So then you're going to take some melatonin to try to get you to help you go to sleep. So, you know, now you're taking uh, uh, caffeine to stay up, melatonin to go to sleep. It's a mess. <laughs> well, and, and another area we found, we, we did this just last week at the Arizona Narcotics Officers Association. Um, and it was a huge hit, but we sponsored a night where we did Family Under Fire. And John Mattingly... Uh, and his wife, Nikki, from the Brianna Taylor shooting sure. in Louisville were there. And we were so excited because over 50 uh, narcotics officers showed up most without spouses. Right. And, you know, we're thinking the questions are going to be tactical and, you know, all the cool. Oh, no. These were questions about family issues, mm-hmm. children, all kinds of stuff that, again, the it's a lifestyle, and we're not giving the families enough to help them understand why y'all act like y'all act and crazy and got the <laughs> caffeine pumped into your veins by IV and whatever else. And um, and it's important that they become part of the solution, but we can only do that through education. And now we're going to Washington State in uh, April next year. Actually, they're doing it in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I feel really bad for us having to go up there. Yeah. I've never been, but I'm dying to go. <laughs> and they want to do a family night up there also in addition to our training. But it's about even families don't get this. They don't understand. we got to talk to them and educate them about it. Yeah, absolutely, especially because that's the most important support network for the officer. Right. Yes. Um, you know, so a little bit of understanding goes a long way that they can come home. And, and you know, like, honestly, we as police officers need to do a better job, too, of being willing to open up to our spouses mm-hmm. and, and to our children. And I'm not saying that you expose them to everything that you see at work. It's not what I'm saying, but you need to be able to talk about the stresses that you have and be able to vent those things mm-hmm. to your loved ones. Right. And, and, you know, my goodness, if you, if you don't have a significant other, that's okay, too. Vent to a partner, vent to a friend, but you have to talk about it. You have to talk about the stresses at work and kind of have that session where you're unloading some of this. Yes. Um, I mean, if you don't have any friends, then journal. At yeah. least write it down. Get sure. it out of your head and get it on paper. I mean, everybody's got a friend somewhere, but or call me. You can call me. I'll talk to you. Well, that's what what we do. But I hope the FOP will jump on the bandwagon that we've been at it under the shield for 30 years of stop teaching that archaic principle in the academy. Keep personal and professional separate. You can't do it. It is creating divorces and problems. You you have to be talking to your family. And, And as I said, you don't need to expose them to everything. But you have to be talking. You have to be venting. You know, we we've learned a lot over the years about uh, about mental health and how it impacts law enforcement. And you need to make sure that you're talking to people, whoever it may be. But, you know, another topic we were talking about earlier that, you know, we need to make sure that we are keeping ourselves 
in reasonably good shape mm -hmm. and physically fit. Yes. Um, and, and obviously like the first thing that everybody goes to is like, well, yeah, you need to be able to fight in the street and back up your partner. Yes. All of those things are true. And, and we, we all know that. So I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I'm not going to bemoan that point. What I'm talking about is the mental health benefits of working out and uh, exercising and being in shape. And, you know, again, I'm not now, I'm not talking about like, oh, I look good in the mirror. Okay. Like, yeah. Okay. That's great. That's, you know, that's, that's a, a good side benefit. Uh, do you do that a lot, Joe? Do you spend a lot of time in front of a mirror, my friend? I do. You know, I, I heard that you about know. you. Um, but, you know, that's obviously a benefit of, of mental health. It's just being, you know, more self-confident in yourself. But I'm talking about releasing this stress that we're carrying. Sure. Because all of us from the horrors that we see every day, from the toxic cocktail that has been thrown upon us that I talked about earlier, are carrying these massive loads of stress. And I don't think a lot of us even know how bad it is mm -mm. on us. You know what I mean? We, we're not fully aware of how much this stress is impacting mm -hmm. our lives unless you kind of take a minute and like really assess like, why am I feeling like this? Like, why am when I'm thinking about this, my heart starts racing like, okay, yeah, you're, you might be having an anxiety attack. And, and I'm going to use the big word anxiety because all of us tough guys just like to say stress, right? right? <laughs> never like to use the word anxiety because that inquires something else. But all that anxiety, all that stress you're carrying, mm -hmm. you need to do something with it. Sure. And I found, and this is just me personally, I found the best way to do that is to keep an exercise routine. I work out seven days a week to try to burn off all this anxiety and stress. And ultimately, it just makes me a calmer, more happier person. And I'm not talking about some huge regimented workout. Go outside and go for a 20-minute walk. Sure. Don't just sit inside in the dark and watch Netflix or watch TV or self-medicate, whatever, you know, you're maybe your alcohol, whatever. Instead, get up, go outside, go for a walk, get some sunlight, and just try to take your mind off all the things that you've been thinking about and just burn off some of this excess anxiety. I guarantee you, if you go out and just start walking 20 minutes a day, you are going to feel infinitely better after just a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. Now we combine that with maybe starting to watch what we eat just a little bit. <laughs> sure. Not saying we, we can't eat donuts. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> power rings, power, power rings. Don't rings. call them yeah, donuts. Well, come on. <laughs> let's try to focus on, you know, eating a few good meals a day, eating healthy, sure. not overeating because your cortisol is spiking and because you haven't slept and you end up eating more. Let's try to focus on these types of things. I guarantee you'll start to feel a little bit better. Now, the caveat here in Arizona is, especially here in the Valley, if you're going to get out, take that 20-minute walk. Let's do that about 4 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> sure. At least, yeah, at least till October. <laughs> yeah. October, say, you can you know, go outside. Right now in Houston, it's like 100 degrees with like 150% humidity. Yeah. So, like, I get it. But uh, I'm just saying, you know, do something. Do some sort of exercise. Even our dry heat <laughs> That's right. sucks out here right now. So. Um, but, and you are, you're hitting on so many of the things that, so many people don't talk about like right. we do about adrenal fatigue and how that impacts you in wanting to exercise, uh, how that impacts low testosterone. We know for a fact there's a correlation between adrenals uh, insufficiency and low testosterone, which is impacting the muscles. We won't go into my whole lecture on 
how and, you men look at those. Your, bad sleep affects your testosterone, too. Absolutely. Right. And your gut impacts your mood because 90% of your serotonin comes from your gut. And you start putting all this into play. But when you can put this into a package of one really uh, lot of options on things that people can do, then they're more likely to do it rather than just throwing yoga at them. You know, I get stuff out here all the time where they're going, oh, we're offering yoga at our department. Are you interested? And I go, yeah, when you bring goats in, then I'll come do the yoga with you. Yeah, Not and, doing it till then. It's like, when do these guys have time to go to a yoga class? There you right. go. And like it's it's downtown at, at headquarters or it's over here. No, if this is going to work, mm-hmm. it needs to be right outside their door. Yeah. And, well, but- and like I said, and, and I think people, when we talk about physical fitness or we talk about getting in shape, they think it's this massive plan that, they, oh, my God, I'm going to need to be doing all this working out. I'm going to need to do this. Mm-hmm. No, just get up off the couch, go walk for 20 minutes, get your 10,000 steps a day. Sure. Watch what you eat a little bit and 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 you'll see improvements. You don't need to look like Adonis. Right. But all of these things are just going to help your overall mental health. Well, one of the things we preach is the brain controls the body, but how the body feels impacts what the brain thinks. So when you can start getting the body sleep taken care of and vitamin and mineral deficiencies and adrenal insufficiency and that kind of stuff, then they feel more open to doing mm-hmm. yoga, meditation. But you sure. don't take somebody who is stressed out, angry, <laughs> and go, here, yoga will fix this because he'll probably yeah. rip your face off. Right. <laughs> uh, but you get them to a better place, and then they're open to those things that are very beneficial. But that isn't sure. the first step. We've also changed it from mental health to mental wellness because mm-hmm. cops hear mental health. What do they think? Mental illness. The opposite. Yeah. If I'm not mentally healthy, I'm I must mentally be mentally Ill. ill. We go, mm-hmm. no, it's mental wellness. And it's, it, you know, it all comes into play. We can't look at it from one single angle because it is a lifestyle. And it's just too important that we begin to broaden what we're doing because what we've done for all the 31 years I've been around uh it isn't working. It's not enough. We need more resources and more open-mindedness to new approaches because it just isn't working. Yeah. And I, and I will say this, uh, you know, generationally, I think the younger generation of officers are much more open to a lot of these things. Sure. Um, much more conscious of their own wellness. And, you know, if they need to take a day, they're going to take a day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think... You know, when I was coming up and a lot of us that started our careers, you know, around 20 years ago, you know, you never took a day off. Like a day off was when you had something special going on. You know, it's, I'm going to take a day off because it's somebody's wedding. Sure. It's somebody's birthday. Right. It's somebody's, you know, whatever. But a lot of these officers now and, and you know, listen, I'm not saying what they're doing is wrong or what I'm doing is right or anything. Like that. It's just different. And that's OK. But what they do is they're just like. You know, one of them will be taken off, and I'll ask one of my guys, you know, hey, what are you doing on, you know, you're taking a day off. What, what are you up to? You got something big going? No, just going to just gonna hang out, decompress. Mm-hmm. Okay. Enjoy your and day And that's off. a good thing. I know, it's a great thing. Yeah. You know, they, but I think they're just much more conscious of it. And, and that's probably a societal thing as well. Like, we're much more understanding to talk about wellness and talk about mental health and all those types of things, whereas I think still a lot of us in the older generation, which I would include myself in, uh, there's still that stigma, no matter how sure. much we've talked about it, no matter how much, 
you know, like I was saying earlier, we just call it stress. It's just, by the way, I love how I'm using air quotes, but we're not on camera. We're just doing audio, but I'm doing air quotes. Uh, that we just like to call it stress when let's call it what it is, folks. Anxiety. You have anxiety and that's okay. Sure. It's okay that you have that. Sure. You well, know, but even 25 years ago, you know, like when I was getting into this and and even before that, we never even talked about mental wellness. We didn't even talk yeah. about stress of the job. There was no, no. There, there was no, hey, you know, your Sarge comes to you after a tough call and says, hey, you feeling all right after How this you call? Yeah. It's like, suck it up, get back to work. You got right. another call on the board. Yeah. But, you know, there's another aspect to them taking that day off, too, because we hear it, hear it under the shield. And, yeah, they recognize they need to do it. But because of short staffing, they feel guilty mm-hmm. doing it. So they yep. don't do it even when they know they need to do it. And it's just compounding on top of more problems. And, you know, one of the things we try to teach is stress is positive. It isn't always negative. It's perceived to be negative. But the reality of the matter is, is it can also keep you alive in this industry. And, you know, I think the word anxiety, I, I think one reason people, especially in law enforcement, are hesitant to use the word. I think we lump everything into anxiety where normal nerves. I was a figure skater growing up competitively through college. I had mm-hmm. nerves before I hit the ice. But the minute I got on the ice, that went away. That means it's not anxiety. And that's one of the things we're teaching them, too, is don't think everything's anxiety. If <laughs> you can be nervous. That gets you geared up, the adrenaline going to be able to do what you need to do. Sure. Anxiety is something that sticks around. Normal nerves that get you ready, the minute you get into whatever it is, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's another reason people are hesitant to use that word Plus, they think it means I'm mentally ill. Right. And it's not. It's the body responding to whatever's going on in the head. Sure. No, you're absolutely right. And there's just so many aspects to this that I think we have to get out of our box. Because what's the favorite saying at law enforcement? Why do we do it that way? Because we've always done (laughs) Done it that way. We've always done it that way. (laughs) Doesn't mean it's right. We've always done it that way. Well, it worked out really well in Compton with the two bank robbers, didn't it? (laughs) And we changed some firearm stuff there. But it's time that we get out of the traditional box of it, you either got to go to licensed mental health or you we got to discipline you or we've got to demote you or whatever. The reality is, is there's a lot of stuff coming to light now that really was going on when Tom right. and you were cops, but we just told you to suck it up and go on. And so yeah. you had choir practice and got drunk every night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I think, you know, it's incumbent upon every leader within law enforcement and, you know, chiefs, commanders, whoever, you know, police officers more than anything right now, they want to feel supported Mm -hmm. and they want to feel that what they're doing every day actually matters. Yes. And I think leadership within law enforcement could do a much better job of God, just telling your officers, you appreciate them showing up to Mm -hmm. work. Like, thank you. Is that too much to, to to put out there? And I'm not talking about an email. Don't send the department an email saying thanks for what you do. Because if there is a bigger way to tell people, like, I don't really care, mm-hmm. just sending out a department-wide mm-hmm. email saying how much you care. Like, no. Press the flesh with them a little bit. You spend all this time out in the community, which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But if you're not spending an equal amount of time telling your troops they're doing a good job, then you're failing. And yep. another thing, too, is that 
you know, chiefs and commanders and all these people that are sheriffs that are running these departments, you should be talking about the violence against law enforcement every opportunity that you get. This is not a controversial issue. You should not be like, I, I don't understand why you don't lead every press conference talking about mm -hmm. that. And at least it would show your troops, I'm keeping this issue front and center. Now I know we at the FOP are keeping this issue front and center. We're making sure it's national news every single month that we release these numbers. Sure. But everybody in law enforcement should be talking about this. Yep. And at least that could show your troops, okay, my chief's out there talking about this. He cares about the violence that's against us. He cares what's happening to us. Sure. And I think it would mean so much to officers if they just felt like, my God, my agency actually supports me. Sure. And I would guarantee if you ask nine out of 10 officers, they're going to say, no, I don't believe my agency yep. supports me. No, I don't believe my agency cares about what I do for the community. Because they because don't. Ultimately, it's them. Right. Yeah. Let's be clear. Chief can lay out a plan all he wants, but ultimately it's the front line that carries that out. Yes. And, and they don't do it. No department does a good enough job uh, appreciating their officers. And here's an idea. How about you make it as easy as possible <laughs> to commend officers for the work that they are doing to make sure that they are constantly acknowledged with positive reinforcement. And not say I pay them to do a good job, but boy, right. I will jump your ass the minute you say a bad word on right. body cam or yep. whatever, and that's what's lacking is true leadership. We got lots of supervisors. We yeah. got no leadership, and yeah. that's my biggest complaint mm -hmm. with them. And the other thing that they need to stand up for their people for is get in front of a camera and talk about how their officers are doing their job and the DA's offices or mm -hmm. prosecutor offices aren't prosecuting what our officers are doing. And that is another huge frustration I know here and other agencies where we've worked that they're like, why am I putting my life at risk? Right. Even if we get a department that actually supports and backs their troops or their, you know, their officers, we we don't get that from the DA's office. And so say it in front of the media. Right. The chiefs should be standing up and saying that in front of the media. And yeah, we've been beating this drum here at the FOP for the last probably four or five years that we saw these DAs coming. Mm -hmm. We got rogue DAs and activist judges that have just completely created a revolving door yes. criminal justice system to where these guys, and, and include bail reform in that as well. Sure. These guys are out before the ink's dry on the paperwork. Right. And if you think that doesn't impact the morale of an officer who may have just risked his life to arrest that person, his or her life yep. to arrest that person, it absolutely does. Now, Another thing that, you know, supervisors need to be doing is messaging to your people. You can only control what you can control. Yes. Exactly. You got that person off the street for at least 24 hours. You did a fantastic job. Yep. That is a separate part of the criminal justice system. Now, it's easy for us to say, but at least acknowledge that these things are happening mm -hmm. and tell them you did a great job. You've done your job. You can't control what goes on any further. But of course, it would go so much further if the leaders in law enforcement stand up and say, my people are doing our jobs. Yep. All right. We need the DAs to get off their ass and do their job. Yep. Exactly. That's what's causing these huge spikes in crime, as I talked about earlier. Yeah. You know, it didn't just happenstance that all of a sudden our murders went through the roof. We stopped punishing people as That's a right. society, as a country. Sure. Mm -hmm. We have stopped holding people accountable for their own actions. It's completely insane. Yes. We basically just said, you're no longer accountable. It's everybody else's fault. It's society's fault. It's his fault. It's so the cop's gonna, fault. We're not going to put you in prison anymore. 
We're not going to throw the book at you. And then, wow, I mean, I can't believe this is happening now. There's more crime. Yeah. They, they get out after they haven't been punished and they just continue robbing people. This is insane. Yeah. Yeah. I used to you tell. You think they learned their lesson. <laughs> I used to tell my ex, your job is to catch them. It's somebody else's job to cook them. And if yeah. they burn them, that's on them. But again, standing up in front of the media and saying this about your people would go so far, but they won't do it. But boy, they'll march with BLM and they'll mm -hmm. do all these things. Yeah, and the disgusting part of it all is that all of these, you know, woke criminal justice policies, as I like to call them, I'm doing quotes again, I'm sorry, I talk <laughs> in my hands, I'm Italian. Um, you know, all of these woke criminal justice policies, they were all pushed and said, this is going to help our minority communities. This is why we're doing all of this. Yeah. And you know what communities have been impacted the most in a negative way? Inner our city minority minorities. communities. Yep. Our urban communities are filled with crime and disorder. It's a mess. People don't feel safe, as I talked about earlier, taking their kids to school. The murder rate is through the roof. Retail theft, Retail theft is up 77% in New York. It's up 35 billion in 2021 to over a hundred billion dollars. And you got people on the far left saying, oh, this is a victimless crime, uh, this retail theft. Don't worry oh, yeah. about it, it's a victimless crime. Bullshit, <laughs> who do you think they're passing the cost on to? Oh, that's right. The hardworking, law-abiding folks yep. that have to now pay for more for all these other goods. So all the people that follow the rules we get screwed, yep. and all the people who are criminals, they just keep getting let out to do it over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I'm no, my soapbox. No, you, you're, <laughs> no, this is exactly what this fight in progress is all about. And, That's right. You know, I saw a meme on Facebook, and I loved it because it showed AOC talking about, uh, you know, people who get upset about things being their things being stolen care more about their things than somebody's life. And then somebody else came back and said, no, you cared more about my things than your own life. <laughs> and I thought it's the truth. Yeah. It, it this this thing has you know Gascon. What a great individual out in California, uh, uh, and he was chief of police in Mesa yeah. at one time. And you go, wow. Yeah, uh, that makes no sense. Uh, well, he was a lousy yeah. chief in Mesa but, too, but he just I don't understand how he's even still out there in office. Oh no, it's crazy. Did you hear about the jail call that the gang member was on? No. Where Gascon cut him a deal on like a murder or a gun charge or something. And they caught him on the jail call saying, I'm gonna get Gascon's name tattooed on my face. That's my dog or whatever. <laughs> it's crazy. Wow. Yeah, you know, there are just times oh, that you God. go, What? And I, I I wake up every morning going, Was all of this just a really bad dream? Or has the world really gone this completely oh. batshit crazy? Cause it as I, I, I don't know how we come back from it. Sorry to tell you, but the world has gone batshit crazy, Susan. <laughs> That's what I was well, afraid you were going to tell me. I'm, I'm an eternal optimist, uh, despite some of my passionate arguments. Uh, I'm an eternal <laughs> optimist. I always believe we can turn this around, especially in this country. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Greatest country the world or the history of the world has ever known. Mm -hmm. And if we make a choice as a society for things to be different, they will be different, mm -hmm. but we have to take those steps. And, and make no mistake, the, the American police officer delivered historic crime reductions in the 20 years prior to this huge crime spike that started in 2019. And we can do it again. Sure. I, I mean, I have full faith in our profession. We can clean up our urban communities. Mm -hmm. We can restore the urban renaissance that we provided. 
But we have to be willing to embrace broken windows theories again. Mm -hmm. Yes. We need to vehemently prosecute violent criminals. We need to stop the revolving door criminal justice system. We need to fund and support our police departments. We can't shit all over cops anymore. That's right. These are all steps that would need to be taken mm -hmm. in order for us to clean things up. Now, at what point does society reach that breaking point where they say, all right, things are complete. Now, I think I've seen it individually in certain communities, but we haven't seen it nationwide. Right. I don't know how bad it's going to have to get in a lot of our far left cities for people to wake up right. and want to make those changes. But I'm seeing it slowly but surely in a number of communities saying, no, 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 we, we've had enough of this now. We, we've seen what, uh, you know, chaos looks like and we prefer order, you know, um, and I think we'll get there. Will it happen while I'm still a police officer? I don't know. It may take another 10, 15, 20 years. But the pendulum, I believe, will inevitably swing mm -hmm. back, and, and I'm optimistic that it will at some point. Can't wait for that to happen. Well, and society has got, because I think the majority of Americans do support law enforcement. Mm -hmm. oh, of course. We of course. just keep our mouths shut. Uh, well, I don't, but <laughs> I don't keep my mouth shut about anything, especially now. But uh, the majority does keep their mouth shut because they don't want to be called racists and homophobes and all the, the negative names that come on. But you know what? It's time to stand up now and go, I don't really care what you call me. Right. We need a change. You know, when this when it didn't work real well when they attacked Jason Aldean over this song and tried yeah. to make it yeah. something it's not. But, you know, Tom, I think we need to take a stance on, on the podcast and Under the Shield about all the rap music that talks about killing cops. Right. Maybe it's time we start pushing for, uh, you know, boycotting that kind of music. And let them call us racist or whatever. I've been called worse exactly. by some of y'all. But anyway, it's uh, it's just time for society to realize they can't be quiet anymore if they want to change. They're going to have to get behind law enforcement and go, you know what? We've been quiet for too long. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I get it. Like, I understand people have lives. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the the good, hardworking, law-abiding folks, they have jobs, they have families, they have to get their kids to soccer practice. They can't show up to a city council meeting and wait for three hours to talk to support law enforcement. Sure. They got to get their kids over to the next practice. They got family functions. Like, I get it. Mm -hmm. I, I completely understand, and I, I don't blame them. But as you said, if you want things to get better and you don't want it to ruin your city or ruin your community or ruin your state, got to get involved that's it I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just sorry and it it may not be that you wait three hours in a city council meeting to talk but maybe you send emails to all your city council members sure maybe you get involved in that local campaign for a candidate you support that's a law and order candidate supports law enforcement yep you volunteer one time you work a poll whatever the case is take a step in the right direction to at least say you know what maybe things didn't end up the way that i wanted them to but at least i tried yes i fought I, I, I went out there. I was on the front line. I did at least make some sort of an effort. Mm -hmm. Because I'll tell you, when my time is done, whenever I retire and, I, and I'm done, at least I'll look back and say, I fought. Yes. I may not have won every battle, but you know what? I was on the front lines of that the war on cops every single day fighting for the hardworking men and women of law enforcement. I'll hang my hat on that. Well, and one reason I think we can also show that the majority of, of society does support when an officer is killed, 
the people turn out, the money turns out, mm-hmm. all of those things turn out. But what hurts my heart is when I have cops sit on the couch here at Under the Shield and they go, why do I have to die before somebody cares about me and my family? And I go, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we cops organizations and all those groups do great things. Not to say we don't support people when an officer's killed because we had one of our own. I don't know if you know, Chris, this is the Chris Ferrara podcast studio. Chris was my co-host when he was murdered in the line of duty at Chandler Police Department, April of 21. And oh, uh, so we do support families in that regard. But our whole real mission is to make sure we're on the front end of this thing because there is a lot of support when there's a death. Right. So it shows us society does care. They turn out yeah. in droves and lots of money. And But I don't want our officers and their families thinking anymore. That's the only time anybody cares. Because that's kind of what the message is right now. And yeah. it's not a good one. Yeah, I mean, I think my message to, to every police officer that's listening is like, the community does support you. They yes. really do. The silent majority supports you. And, and it's much bigger than a majority, to be honest with you. It's, yes. it's a massive amount of people do. It's just don't take their... I guess, busyness in their lives as they don't care about you. But also remember the good things that happen because I think, you know, and this is just how our brains work. We always remember the negative. Mm -hmm. We'll remember a negative thing a citizen said to us two years ago, but make sure and remember the positive times that someone thanks you for your service. Hell, write it down in your notepad if you have to. But try to really focus on all the times you've had those good interactions too. Yep. And, and, you know, and if you are, aren't a police officer and you're listening to this podcast, just know when you thank an officer for their service, you made their day. Yes, exactly. It's simple. And, and by the way, another thing, too, if you're a police officer who is not in uniform and you're off duty, thank another police officer if they're in <laughs> uniform at a restaurant. That's like, right. It's not above you right. to go and thank. I do it all the time. Sure. Because they don't know that you're a police officer. Right. And they're here protecting your community. So thank them for their service. Sure. Buy them lunch. Sure. Do the same thing that a regular citizen would do. Because, That's true. and my God, you know what it means to you. So why the hell would you do it to somebody else? <laughs> That's right. So, That's true. <laughs> so like, you know, to those citizens out there, thank an officer if you see them. You will make their day. And if you're in a position to buy them lunch, my God, you made their week. Yes. Um, you know, it, it just means so much to us for someone to say that they they appreciate and care about us. So, you know, please do those things. And if you're off duty and an officer, do the same. Just yes. Just a quick thank you. It, me- it means the world. And teach your kids to do the same thing. I have my daughters go up to police officers and say, thank you for your service. Teach them that. You know, yes. and the same thing with our military veterans. Right. You see someone wearing a veteran's hat in the airport. It takes but a minute to thank them for their service and just say, thank you. Yes. You see them in the grocery store wearing a veteran's hat. Thank them for their service. My God, it doesn't cost you anything to be nice. <laughs> That's right. And it's not like they're going to drag you into some hour-long conversation. Just, just say thank you. It's not that difficult. Well, you know, and, and cops can't hear this enough, but we try to end our class with why we do what we do at Under the Shield. And I tell them it's because without police in our cities, deputies in our counties, and troopers on our highways, none of us can leave home without a complete arsenal. You know, the fire department's not going to come out either. And then uh, Lieutenant Colonel Grossman and I were talking after 9-11, and he had trained special forces 
uh, a month after 9-11 to go over and let them know how much we appreciated what they had done in New York. And uh, he had a young Green Beret come up to him and he said, Colonel, I understand you train law enforcement. They said, yeah, I do. And he said, I need you to go back and take a message to those law enforcement officers. And Dave said, whatever you need. And this young Green Beret added a aspect. I, I had you at the top of the food chain, but he added this. He said, go tell all those cops, don't let them come kill my kids and my family. And what that young Green Beret was saying is that without police here, deputies, troopers, law enforcement, our military would never leave their family and go overseas and do their job. And yeah. if they can't do that, the fight comes back here. And I don't think law enforcement can hear that enough. And it's something we try to end all of our classes with because it's the truth of the right. matter. Yeah. We can have more doctors, lawyers, accountants, garbage men, you know, firefighters, whatever. But the reality of the matter is, is nobody's going to be able to do anything without law enforcement. Nothing works in this country if we don't have a foundation of law and order. Exactly. Period. Exactly. It is what our society is built on. Yes. Without police officers, we don't have law and order. Without law and order, we don't have a country. And we're That's living one of our biggest experiments that proves <laughs> exactly that when you go and look in these I mean, heck, even in downtown Phoenix, uh, you know, the, the homeless encampments and, and everything and how it's just deteriorating mm -hmm. because we're just letting people do whatever feels good, whatever they want to do. And you go, we thought the hippies in the 60s were bad. Are you kidding me? Man, those people, they had it figured out. Uh, this is out of control. This is like that, you know, times a thousand. But it's, uh, you know, these are just important things to us here. And I know it's important to y'all at FOP. And, you know, I hope we can find ways to work together to get these messages out because we can't just keep it within our own doors. This, this yeah, is absolutely. stuff that has to get out. And people have to be open to new ways of dealing with things, looking at things, training, all of that kind of stuff, because the world is changing. And we've got to make sure our law enforcement and their families change with it also. And I think that's just too important that now our philosophy is you got to have peer support. You have to have the licensed mental health world, but you also got to have stress coaches where there's no fear there's no uh, possibility of anyone reporting mm -hmm. where they can come in and actually dump their garbage uh, that from the emotional side, which is a theory I wrote that we'll be happy to send to you for you to see. But they've got to be able to do that safely and not fear any kind of retaliation. Then we're going to begin to make differences and get society back out there supporting them and waving the flag. I don't want another 9-11 before yeah. we get people putting flags all over their cars and waving flags at police officers and stuff. We should be doing that every day. Right. Yep, absolutely. Well, you send me all those materials. We'll, we'll move forward with it. Absolutely. And, Joe, we can't thank you. I know you are a very busy man between – I honestly, mm -hmm. I had forgotten you were still working uh, but a lieutenant, my goodness, look at this. <laughs> a lieutenant with some leadership yeah. attitudes. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> That's a I'll be great fired thing. no time. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a concept. Could we clone you and drop you in a few agencies? Around? I'm going to put you up for chief in one department I know of. Um, but only if I can be your deputy chief. <laughs> yeah, you got it. I don't want to deal. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what you're saying. But anyway. Um, but, Joe, we want to thank you again for taking time time of being on the show and all that y'all are doing 
at the FOP uh, because it's it's a hard battle, even yeah. with the size of your organization. But it's one we can't give up on. None of us can. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on. And uh, thank you all for what you do every day, every single day for law enforcement. Uh, it is much appreciated. And maybe y'all don't hear a thank you enough. So thank you for everything y'all do. And I really appreciate you having me on. It was a blast. Absolutely. Well, as we wrap things up here, we want to remind our listeners, we are available to you 24-7, 365. When you call our toll-free number, 855-889-2348, and you hit extension 1, we do not have your phone number. Please, you have to call us back if we get dis- disconnected or if you want a call back <laughs> from one of us when we're on the phone with you, you got to give us your number. Uh, we believe 100% in anonymity. We don't care who you are. You can call and give us Joe Grimaldi's name. You can tell us. Your, we'll believe you. I, I'll know if it ain't your voice because uh, I know his voice. But uh, families, this applies to you as well. And if you want to reach me directly, my cell number is 334-324-3570. During the daytime, text me. Always call at night. Tom, you want to give them yours? And my phone number is 480-861-6574. There's nothing we don't deal with because we believe it's a lifestyle. If you don't want to talk to me, I get it. You can talk to Tom. We have all of our stress coaches have been on the couch here at Under the Shield. Joel, our producer, um, his father was a police officer that died with COVID back in January of 21. He's also a stress coach. He's working with teenagers and kids. He's been there, done it, understands what it's like. We have spouses. We have every common denominator. We try to get it to the lowest common denominator. Uh, But you have to reach out. And we know that's the hardest call anybody ever makes is to pick up that phone. You will get someone when you hit that extension one, let it ring. It's going to roll to the next available stress coach. You're not going to get voicemail on that extension one. Otherwise, reach out to us on our cells. Joelle puts our emails and all the information up with this. Also, you can email us. I prefer, because keep in mind, I'm old and I don't work electronics all that well sometimes. Uh, My cell phone, I got that mastered. I do know how to do that. And I check my text every day. But we just appreciate the sacrifices out there that all of the first responders military uh, make, and especially the families. That's a thankless job, having done it for 20 years. Um, Please reach out to us anytime, day or night. And we just pray that you're safe. Yes. And just one more thing, um, Joe, if somebody wants to reach out and get in touch with you, how do they do that? Yes. Oh, yeah. You can uh, get me on Twitter, at Joe Gamaldi, on Instagram, at Joe Gamaldi. Send me a DM. I'll get back to you. Uh, send me an email, jgamaldi at hbou.org. Get me anytime. And I have Twitter, but I can't tell you how to reach me on it. But anyway, <laughs> maybe if you Google it, you'll find me. But I'm on Facebook and everything else. Uh, but, again, thank you for all the sacrifices. Joe, thanks for all that y'all are doing at the FOP. My best to Pat Yost and all the others there. And uh, God bless you. God bless your families in this great nation that we live in. Stay tuned for next time. We have no idea who it will be, but we'll have another edition out next week.